Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and also uh, wherever you find your podcasts at Lakes, Woods, and Irons as well and on our Facebook page, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. So lots of ways to find the show. Hopefully you will uh, join us and some good shows archived there this year as well. This uh, segment brought to you in part by the T-Hive, custom apparel for your business, event, team, or family online at tehive.com. Also by Shannon's Auto Body with a new location in Brainerd to better serve their customers. Grand opening coming up this month at Shannon's Auto Body. Chris, uh, we were kind of kidding off Mike there. Nothing going on in the world of golf this week. So, um, holy cow, yesterday was just a blockbuster day in golf. And it's right between the Memorial, which is a huge enough event on its own, and then the U.S. Open coming up. So uh, they're managing to fill up the news calendar with golf, which I guess is good. Yeah, it's um, to say I, I was shocked I, is an understatement that uh, that there's basically a merger between the PGA Tour, the European Tour, and, and Live Golf, and I. Uh, I, I certainly didn't see that coming, and I don't think anybody really in in the world of golf did. No. Um, it uh, yeah, it's it, it, it. There's so much to unpack in the deal, um, and it's going to be the coming days are going to be very interesting. But uh, uh, boy, the the player reaction. I, I, I feel terrible for. For Rory Mac, a guy like Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, who really went to bat for the tour, and I think those guys feel like they've really been thrown under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Rory kind of said he felt like the scapegoat after he uh, got to the microphone today. Actually, as we as we he was on this morning, I think freely for the first time for any extended length of time, and uh, he said he still hates live, but he thinks long term it's probably good for the game. So. I wonder if uh, Tim yeah. will survive as commissioner here. I'm not so sure after uh, seems like kind of unilateral decisions being made without the players who have always kind of voted on these kind of things. Yeah, and you know it's still there there still will be some form of player vote on some of the some of the things. Uh, but you know I, my son Joe is very close to Davis Love and sees him almost every day if he's if he's not out playing joe sees him every day practicing or playing yeah and and joe saw him right after the announcement and you know here's davis love who's on the the tour policy board and had a big role in you know everything that went on last you know last spring davis had no idea about it and davis was just shocked um and you know again you know felt kind of betrayed and i i think a lot of the players i, I it'll it'll be interesting to see what comes out here because um you know to the 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 biggest thing is is the you know getting in bed with the saudis who uh they're they're, they're we do a lot of things in america that the saudis have some business in you know whether it's uber or um you know i think they own Part of you know a lot of different U.S. companies, but uh, a lot of us put gas yeah. in our cars. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. So I mean, they're, we're we're all tied to the Saudis in some way, but it just seems um, 
the connection between the Saudis and and where the money is coming from and the the sports washing and and the the you know their impact on 9/11 and all those things are hit awfully home with the world of golf so right um, i think it's, uh, it's, it's it's interesting ending all the litigation was a big uh, seemed to be a big part of it for both sides because they both seem to know each other's dirty laundry if you will and all that yeah. stuff comes out in court if it starts to happen so I don't know what that could be, but I always think that's a, that's a fine line we dance on uh, um, human relations in other countries and that kind of thing. I think well, the I always think well, the PGA has been trying to get into China for 25 years. They got all kinds of human rights violations there. Well, um, maybe maybe even maybe even worse than Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, very possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like I said. It's it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what happens over the next several weeks. And I read uh, they're going to lay out next year's schedule here fairly quickly on the PGA Tour, but I don't know if they're going. Are they going to keep some live events? I don't know. I I would. It seemed like the like the Adelaide ones were very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if then on the world on the, either the DP or the or the U.S. tour if they won't uh, duck down to Australia for a couple of tournaments. They could easily host two tournaments down there over a two- or three-week period. Well, my, my understanding is, is the three tours are going to still all coexist. Uh, I think the, the schedule for next year, which was almost in place, is going to be totally flipped upside down. And it, it sounds like, you know, the players on the, at least the initial reaction is the players who are on the live tour are going to be able to freely play between the other tours as well and um you know i think we'll we'll learn a lot in the next couple of weeks that's, yeah that's for sure like you said there's an awful lot to unpack i think we got a million questions and about five answers so far so yeah yeah <laughs> i wonder how uh what the Ryder Cup feeling will be now at the end of the season that uh, they're kind of together. Yeah, you know that, that's interesting too because it's you know the 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 Ryder Cup I I felt before this happened was kind of going in the direction of that they they would let a guy like Brooks Koepka play from the standpoint that one the 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 Ryder Cup is a PGA of America event it's not the it's not a PGA Tour event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're playing for your country. You're not playing for your tour. And so, you know, I think, you know, there's mixed opinions and emotions there. But, you know, I kind of like Brad Faxon's argument that, you know, we want to field the best team for America. Right. Not just the PJ Tour. And if a player's playing well enough to to play on the Ryder Cup, we should probably let him play. And I, I probably wouldn't have said that, you know, a year ago at this time. But as we've moved forward, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I would maybe agree with that. Yeah, and the way guys, uh, well, when you see them out there, it's hard to think of them as different when they're all playing together in a major. Uh, yeah. It's hard to think of the yeah. guys really as that different from what they were before, so. No, they, they, they. Everybody went for their own reason. Yeah. And um, and all the tours want know, Kepka. 
<laughs> who, who wouldn't? I mean, the, yeah. the guy's incre- incredibly exciting to watch, and uh, you know, I, I, I guess bottom line, I just I just root for good golf and and you know drama and and uh, good storylines. But yeah, uh, well, we're getting plenty of that. We had the uh, oh boy, good drama, good storylines, and uh, in the last segment, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, ladies' tour. They have a brand new shining star as well, which is pretty fun. Oh boy. Yeah, big time. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Streaming at uh, lakeswoodsandirons.com and also available on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. This segment brought you away in part by Ernie's on Gull. An experience in dining on the shores of Gull Lake. Open year-round at 11. Deck and patio seating, weather permitting. Ernie's on Gull. Your happy place, and also by Whitefish Golf Course in Pequot Lakes, an experience that never disappoints, one of the area's premier 18-hole championship courses. Chris, special guest. Let you handle the introductions. He's in studio with me. Awesome. I want to welcome Beck Airholtz. Beck is from Staples, Minnesota, and and is a uh, sophomore at uh, North Dakota State University playing on the golf team, and uh, many of you know him from his nice high school career at uh, at Staples. So, welcome to the show, Beck. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Uh, really fun. Beck, you're kind of in that interesting uh, funnel that gets smaller and smaller. You know, when you're playing on the ninth grade team, there's 25 guys out there playing, and then you kind of advance to varsity, and there's five guys on your own team, and then you want to be one of the best in the section. You want to be one of those best three or four. And then you go off to college and probably run into a whole different competition, huh? Well, it's really interesting you say that because that's kind of the way it was. Uh, I went from uh, being one of the better players on my high school team from a, a pretty early age um, and kind of holding those those top ranks of my team or even my section Um and then moving on to college, it was like now I'm the the little fish in the big pond. Everyone is one of me or, or even better than me. So it's been a lot of fun kind of adapting to that um, and learning the ins of out of how to control your own pace while uh, everyone's getting better around you as well. Yeah, yeah. Beck, t- tell us kind of about that experience. You, you just finished your second year and um, – how was your season? What 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 do you find the biggest differences between you know, competing in junior golf and high school golf to the, the college level? Yeah, so um, my first two years, I haven't gotten to do a, a ton of competing and, and playing. Um, we have a phenomenal team at NDSU, um, a top 100 in the nation, which is super fun to be a part of. Um, and I couldn't ask for anything more other than out of myself to maybe play a little better <laughs> and, and to compete more often. Um, but no, it's been great. Uh, you got guys around you in the locker room uh, at lift pushing you, uh, out on the course pushing you um, to know that people are getting better around you as well. Uh, it makes it really fun and makes you want to get better as well. Yeah, you go into a situation like that with juniors and seniors and sophomores ahead of you when you get there, 
And then uh, now you get to be a junior this coming year. You're probably looking over your shoulder at freshmen and sophomores coming up after you, huh? From both sides. No, that's that's totally right. Um, and one thing I love about NDSU is that when when we all get there in the fall or late summer, uh, everyone starts at zero. So qualifying, we play like 16 to 18, 18 whole round uh, of qualifying to solidify who gets spots where and who's going to be playing in the spring. So. Everyone starts at zero, and you can make uh, your own story. And Beck, how, how does it, you know, once you have that initial qualifying, and uh, generally you take typically five players to a, a tournament, sometimes a couple extra players, how does that process work beyond the first tournament? Um, do, do they exempt a certain number of players, and then the rest of players qualify for the next tournament, or how, how do you do that? Yes, so um, my freshman year, Coach had decided that he was going to exempt the top three players who played on the team, so that starting five, uh, for the next event for sure. Um, And then he changed it our sophomore year, or my sophomore year, I should say, to that only two would go because our our team is super competitive and uh, guys are changing uh, week in and week out. So he wanted to make sure that there was more uh, competition and opportunity to qualify for events. Um, So he takes those top two from the previous event and then we'll play X amount of rounds at at some course at home in between tournaments to decide who gets to go. Um, Another thing is we we didn't get to take a whole lot of individuals this year. So it was pretty much just five of, of the nine that we had on our team that we're getting to travel so and then in the spring uh whoever the last five in the fall were or whoever coach felt like was ready to play in the spring that's who got to travel to pretty much all the spring events so if you're not playing well in the fall uh, you're not playing in the spring at all yeah that that's always tough for the schools in the north who don't have huge budgets to be able to take the whole team and travel for tournaments and or for kind of training it's really hard to break into that starting lineup in the in the spring if you haven't had a really good fall no no for sure i I think you're spot on um and And so we try to take advantage of like we they just had built a kind of a top golf it's called sweet shots in in fargo and we we take advantage of hitting outside we've got a phenomenal facility um, and they had just built a new a new football facility that we get to hit inside into nets. So it, it is what it is, and uh, we just try to grow our game around each other. Where uh, where, where are some of your tournaments located? Seth? Where do you get to go to? Okay, so um, I'll kind of walk you through two main ones coming up this next year. Uh, we get to travel abroad I would say um, in the end of the fall it's our last tournament and we're going down to Mexico we've got an event in Mexico so I do have to renew my passport you just reminded me of that <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in the spring uh, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening uh, recognize this one Bandon Dunes out in Oregon we have uh, an event out there so really excited and that's really going to push everyone on the team to try to play well to make it to those destinations yeah, no kidding. Band and Dunes, that's kind of one of the magic words in golf nowadays. No, oh, right. And then uh, last this or this last spring, most notably, uh, hosted the 2015 U.S. Open Chambers Bay. We had an event out there. Uh, I didn't get to go play, but uh, the guys who did really had a blast. 
Well, that's that's definitely motivation to work on your game, isn't it? No, for sure. Yeah, trust me. I at home in Fargo, there's not a not a ton to do. So seeing everyone else having fun and playing beautiful golf courses is a lot of, <laughs> a lot of motivation. Oh. Yeah, and you're you're stuck in the wind with the flatland. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Beck, tell us tell us about your summer schedule. I, I saw you that you just qualified for the state open. Yeah, so um, I was in a qualifier earlier this year for the MGA players, which is just the state match play. Uh, shot seventy at Perham and was actually in a playoff for the one spot and then a first alternate spot ended up losing that playoff i made par on a par five and the other guy birdied so i got the first alternate into that event um and then at the preserve um i had just played that and made a a costly double bogey on 17 and bounced back with a birdie to get into a playoff for another alternate position for that state open so i've got an alternate position in both uh hoping on some withdraws but uh at the end of the day uh you got to play better and, and get your spot. So, back for our young our, our young listeners, high school type players uh, who want to take that next step. What can they look forward to? I mean, in your case, you were I mean thought of as an excellent high school golfer, and uh, I don't know if there's a percentage, but your game obviously has to take the next step when you get to uh, NDSU level. No, you're totally right. Um, one thing I found was I played a ton as a junior and uh, being at a course that allowed me to kind of show up at 8 a.m. at 10 years old and and leave uh, when it was dark um, (laughs) was a really awesome experience. But as I got older and realized uh, the plans that I wanted to make, I, I wanted to make sure that my practices were more oriented towards things that were gonna make me a better golfer. So um, I know you, you really can't stress it enough, uh, and, and your parents will tell you and your grandpa will tell you, but short game is really important, especially at the collegiate level. Um, everyone's got a, a really fantastic set of hands, so that's, that's an area of emphasis, I would say, for sure. Sure, yeah. Everybody loves to mash it, no matter how old you are. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> Me included, I would say. Yeah. Chicks dig the long ball, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had no luck. <laughs> Beck, I know you've got you, you've got a uh, event that you uh, run coming up later in the summer at the gravel pit. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, July twenty first it falls on this year. It's a Friday, and the convenience of that is it's the Friday before the start of a, a match play event up in Bemidji called the Birchmont. Um, so my event is, is hosted at the Gravel Pit. Uh, it's right near Craigan's brand new par three course, 13 holes, makes it really fun for uh, that event and social atmosphere. Uh, this will be its second year. It's a, a two person best ball. So not a scramble, it's, it's a best ball so that uh, the gross players are, are more rewarded. I'm looking for kind of a, an experience and, and skilled field. Um, huge cash payout uh big skins purse i think last year it was fifteen hundred dollars and then there was only one skin out so two lucky people went home with some cash in their pocket but it was a lot of fun uh being able to host one for the first time and kind of feeling like the boss of of something and i've got a huge support group behind me which is really awesome of, of people who are willing to help things work out 
Well, how do people find out how to how do they register for that? Back? Yeah. Okay. So I am not fortunate enough uh, enough to have my own Golf Genius account, but uh, you can <laughs> you can reach me at two one eight two nine six three eight five four. Or uh, my name, uh, Beck Erholtz, B-E-C-K-E-R-H-O-L-T-Z at gmail.com. And I will uh, open registration soon and, and make sure that teams are, are getting assigned. Fantastic. And can people get a hold of the gravel pit and get in that way too? Um, yeah, so Chuck is doing a favor for me. He's, uh, I asked him to uh, have a sign-up sheet there and he's going to be able to take names there and coordinate that with me. So Perfect. That sounds like fun, the 21st. We just played there over the weekend, and, uh, yeah, it's a – you need a good partner in a two-person <laughs> scramble at that course. You yeah. can – Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, what a what a cool place to yeah. exist right now. Um, no, it's, it's great. Yeah, I know uh, my family goes out there all the time, maybe because we don't have the patience for 18 holes with each other. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, 13 <laughs> holes, just over two hours. It's perfect. Long-term, back, back, what kind of golf plans do you have? Do you Would you like to be in the golf industry when you're uh, 10 years down the road from now? You know, um, I know professional golf is on the minds of a lot of college players. Sure. And I would – be lying if I said it wasn't on mine. Obviously, I haven't really proven myself at the collegiate level yet, but um, I I really love golf and enjoy the game, and I don't ever want it to feel like a job or I'm having to compete to make it to my next week. Yeah. So um, I just want to enjoy it for as long as I can. I, I want to stay competitive and and good. I would say, but uh, I don't really have aspirations of taking it to that next level. Okay. Well, the, the beauty of the game, Beck, is, you know, at the, the, you can play as an amateur forever, and the amateur game is really fun. I mean, there's so many opportunities to play as a mid-amp player, uh, travel over the country and play in great events and, and meet wonderful people along the way. So that's, uh, uh, that's a great ambition as well. No, I completely agree. Uh, I think Minnesota has a phenomenal AM schedule, and all the tournaments that I play in now are super, super enjoyable. So I could see myself playing them for the next 20 to 30 years as, as long as my game's there. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. So two-person best ball scramble, July 21st. Beck's going to be the host at the Gravel Pit. Should be a lot of fun. Cash payouts and dollar and uh, big skins uh, numbers perhaps. So... Beck, give us that phone number one more time. Yeah, that phone number, 218-296-3854. all right. Beck, thanks for taking the time. We sure do appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And good luck with your game this summer, and uh, then in the fall, hopefully you uh, put together a good string of 16 rounds or so and get to go to Mexico and Chambers or on Band and Dunes. That wouldn't be all bad. Yeah, no kidding. I completely agree. <laughs> it's Beck Erholtz. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also find us at lakeswoodsandirons.com. And on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And really, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us at Lakes, Woods, and Irons as well. Brought you away in part by SCR Northern. They're the ones with Old Man Winter on the trucks. 
and by Holiday Stores in Cross in Cross Lake and on Mill Avenue and now on Excelsior. Chris, special guest, we want to uh, welcome to the area and introduce to the show. Yeah, th- <laughs> th- th- thanks, Mac. I just want to welcome to the show Tanner Schornfeld. Tanner is the new golf course superintendent of on at Madden's on Gall Lake. Welcome to the show, Tanner. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. It's great to be here. Tanner, I wanted to get you on the show and introduce everybody in the area and uh, find out about your background. Tell, tell us how you got to Madden's. Yeah, so I mean, I, I grew up in Moorhead. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Minnesota. And um, just uh, when I was in high school, you know, fell in love with the game of golf, I guess even a little bit before high school, and um, learned that's kind of what I want to do for my career, and it's just kind of taken off, and, you know, we can get into that a little bit if you guys want, but um, for the last four years, I was the superintendent at Wolf Creek in Mesquite, Nevada, and uh, really it was the long-term goal, Um, you know, I'm recently married, it was a long-term goal of ours to get you know, back to Minnesota for me, it's, it's my wife's first time living up here. And, um, yeah, really did. I was just kind of aligned and, uh, the job opened up and I had some really good, uh, references, um, from some local guys and just some guys in the Minnesota industry in the, in the superintendent world that, that helped me get here. So it was kind of a dream come true, really, especially being from, being from Moorhead, we'd come out to the Madison area quite a bit as a kid and, just kind of comes full circle like i remember yeah growing up playing out here and now i'm gonna work on the challenge which is great well, that's great you, you you're a young guy tanner and it, madden's is such a, a big job with 63 holes of golf and a huge uh huge resort to where, where did you go to turf school and where, where have you worked besides wolf creek yeah so i went to um <clears throat> when i first kind of was interested in the golf industry actually I wanted to be kind of like you Chris a teaching pro or a head pro somewhere and uh so my first year of college I was at uh, a golf academy down in so the golf academy of America down in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach and um I was working at the time in a small little nine-hole golf course called or in Glendon Minnesota called Ponderosa and um at the time Mark Johnson and Don Johnson from the Fargo Country Club um, owned it and that's kind of how I got into it and just fell in love with being outside and um, and uh, really decided that's the kind of the route I was going to go so after two years of working at Ponderosa and just one year of college I switched over to NDSU and got a I guess technically my degree would be sports and urban turf grass management so a lot of my classmates and stuff you know were um, doing like some of them are on baseball fields and soccer pitches and things like that but it all kind of tied together with sports turf and so throughout my college years um i did two internships one i was at cherry hills country club in denver where they hosted the bmw in 2015 and a few you know usga sanctioned events and the big one back in the 60s when uh arnold palmer won their uh the u.s open then uh went out to best page black um I was an intern out there for the 2016 Barclays. And um, from my connections out of Best Pages, I ended up at Wolf Creek, actually. I was the assistant superintendent right out of college. Um, got a lot of experience out of Wolf Creek for about 18 months. And then, yeah, it's kind of crazy how it worked out, but I was trying to get back to Minnesota. I, I missed playing, you know, coaching hockey. I coached hockey when I was in college. 
And uh, so I made my way back to North and Country Club for a year. Worked up there at that Donald Ross and um, was really excited to be back to Minnesota and thought I was going to stay. And, you know, the biggest goal of my life at the time was to be a superintendent. And so at yeah, 24 years old, Wolf Creek called me back, asking if I wanted to take the head job. Um, so after a year up at Duluth, I uh, ended up back at, at Wolf Creek and was there for about four years. And here we are now back up in Minnesota at Madison hoping for the long haul. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. You've worked at some great, 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 great places, Tyler. What, uh, yeah. you know, coming from Nevada, which is a very different environment than uh, than Brainerd, Minnesota, what, what are the biggest differences and challenges in maintaining turf and great playing conditions between the two? Yeah, it's a great question. I think with how dry this spring's been, I was going to, you know, argue that irrigation is the most important thing down there, but so far it's been pretty important for us this year up here, and we're all kind of finding that out pretty quick. But um, really, it's, you know, I I manage bent grass down there. Um, you kind of learn quickly how much you can push bent grass in the heat, even though it's, you know, a cool season grass and more favored in the northern climates. Um, so it's fun to see, you know, just how much I can, push it down there to be fast and firm um i think the biggest challenge up here that i've learned so far is coming out of winter and just seeing how much damage can happen when the course is closed between winter damage and ice you got voles you got pests here that we don't have down there um just even as simple as ants and things like that that's been a huge kind of eye-opener as far as like just what to look out for we're down there it's a lot of just water management you get you got to be dialed in on your irrigation system you're nice and dry so you don't have you know quite as many um pressures from fungus and stuff down there um but it's they still come around so i would say the biggest things is just so far is um really like coming out of winter is really important um and just getting getting the winter applications down and whatnot so far is what i've noticed sure tanner you won't I think not many people really know what a golf course superintendent does. They, you know, <laughs> they mow, mow the greens and cut the rough and do all those things. But give give us a typical day uh, for you. I always think of the superintendent as the quarterback uh, of the team, and he, he's he's moving in a lot of places and giving a lot of directions. And give us your typical day. Yeah, it's a good question. It's really different, you know, like you mentioned earlier, with Madden's being 63 holes, it's it's funny you bring up the quarterback. I was just talking to a friend this morning about it, and um, and really it seems like at Madden's I almost have like three quarterbacks, and I'm kind of the coach, <laughs> you know, because everybody's on each close kind of doing, doing what you're saying. But, yeah, you know, a typical day would be um, obviously we're trying to get here before the first tee time, um, well before the first tee time, and you got a crew of anywhere from five guys, up to 25 guys and everybody's got a job to do so you're out there uh, making sure that each hole gets basically perfect before the first tee time hits between mowing greens you got a guy mowing fairways um so a typical day is just like you said quarterback and the crew to get through the golf course um to be as good as you can for the day and while you're doing that you know you're checking a lot of things you're checking moisture in the soil to make sure that it's got adequate moisture for the day to get through we usually have a lot of superintendents check moisture every day um, just to make sure everything's good. We're checking pump houses, so all the courses, you know, have irrigation. They have to come from somewhere, and um, it's it's a lot of hydraulics and a lot of 
things like that in the pump houses people don't see you know, stuff behind a closed door so we're checking pumps every single day to make sure they're up to stuff and and um that's just part of the daily routine and then another thing we're doing is even though it's just mowing grass you're looking at grass clips to see how much grass you're mowing if you're putting too much fertilizer not enough and you're really just planning you're, it seems like every day that you're out there you're planning for a week in advance not just even tomorrow most guys kind of have an idea what the week looks like and you're looking at all these little details and it's gotta it's really about planning and then actually stay up that's interesting yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of balls in the air all the time and at a at a place like madden's boy it's it's hard to get your arms around everything that's going on i'm sure <laughs> oh yeah it's been uh it's been a lot and it it just i keep telling my you know some of my friends and now my wife and um just every week it feels it feels so much better i i was so confident in my abilities down at wolf creek and not that i'm not here but there's a lot more golf holes and and even a resort and just a lot a lot of moving parts here and uh it's good though yeah especially with the spring we've had i mean i'm we're we're all learning so quick like where where irrigation faults and stuff are and it's yeah, it's it's actually it, that's why I love it. It's a lot of fun, sometimes stressful, but yeah, it's great. Uh, Tony, you got a little hockey in your background. Sounds like I was going to ask you. Uh, uh, probably, uh, well, coming from Moorhead, that's a hockey hotbed there. Hockey and golf seem to go hand in hand with an awful lot of guys. Yeah, and that's how I got into it. Some of my some of my best friends. So I, I played hockey up till basically my senior year. I ended up not playing my senior year, but I was I was really big into it, you know, as as middle school and early part of high school. And um, yeah, back in middle school, some of my best friends on the hockey team they lived on the golf course and uh, they lived on Meadows in Moorhead, and um, I just lived a few blocks away. And I didn't, you know, I as a kid, kid, you know, you just hit a few balls in the backyard and stuff with the little plastic clubs. But in like sixth, seventh grade, yeah every uh, every hockey player it seems like in the summertime that's all they do they play hockey in the winter play a few uh hockey tournaments on the weekends in the summer and then it's golf and lakes time for for teams like almost every hockey player so that's (laughs) definitely how i got into it (laughs) not 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 a bad way to grow up no it's it's one of the best and that's again yeah that's kind of a big reason why we wanted to get back to the area is just finding that community again once once i got out of once I got out of Minnesota, you get you realize quick, communities in Minnesota are, are wonderful compared to, not saying they're bad elsewhere, but they're hard to beat here. They really are. So yeah. it's, it's awesome to be back. I, I would fully agree there. Tanner, I, I play, I, I get the opportunity to play a lot of golf in Scotland and Ireland, and I absolutely love Lynx golf. I spend uh, several weeks over there every fall. And, you know, there's such a big difference especially in the color of the golf uh, when you play Lynx golf. You know, you see it. It's not bright green like it is here. And you, the the mm-hmm. turf conditions, the fairways are perfect, but they're brown and they're much firmer and the, the greens tend to be firmer. And they, they have different maintenance practices over there. And uh, I, I take people over there. And I was so like this fall I had a group over and we played the old course. when Their first round, the old course at St. Andrews, they got off the plane and got to play there. And the comment they made afterwards was that they loved the golf course, but they didn't think it was in very good shape. And I, w- I was kind of taken back by it because I thought it was in perfect shape. 
And right. I think the only reason that the only reason they thought that was it is because it was more brown than we're used to. And how, how do you balance that? I, and do you see a trend in the U.S. of you know different maintenance practices where we're not so green, we're not overwatering those type of things like like they do in uh, in Scotland and Ireland. Yeah, hundred percent. A lot of that has to do, you know, with with location so a lot of those over there you know a lot of coastline courses a lot of it's sand based over there and a lot of it's fescue grass and fescue is wonderful when it comes to being able to dry it out get brown get fast and firm but then when you get those occasional rain showers you know it bounces back a lot quicker than a lot of the grasses we tend to use here in the u.s where we're we're a lot of bent grass fairways bent pollen mixes um, and in the south, you know, you have different warm season grasses. But, um, you know, I really do especially see a bunch of changes coming up here, and it's wonderful. I, you know, I've never been able to make Mount Abandon. It's kind of one of my dream places to get. But you have Sand Valley out in Wisconsin. You got Gamble Sands that has just opened up out in uh, Washington. You have a lot of these architects now finding versus – so it seemed like – before they would find areas they would just kind of build a course wherever they were told to build a course and now people are actually looking for location first finding sand-based areas to kind of create that wider open fairway almost exposed sand um and using native sand to um to kind of dictate dictate the golf course versus kind of forcing golf courses into certain locations and making it work i think the other big thing too is you know, like you said, I'm a pretty young guy, so I can't speak for this 100%. But a lot of it is, like, on TV, when they're showing the Masters, they're showing PGA events. A lot of people don't realize, that, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that make those places happen. So, like, when we're at Best Pitch, you know, we have 60 full-time employees plus then 100 volunteers that come out the week before and the week of the tournament to make that happen. We're on your day-to-day golf course, you're running. 12 guys, 15 guys, right? And um, so I think yeah. TV really has harmed the expectation, especially when they started putting filters on the on the TV. So everywhere's looking probably greener than it actually looks. It looks great on TV because you could follow the ball a little bit easier. I understand that kind of the purpose of it on TV. But then as soon as you get a brown tournament on TV, I mean, it seems like even people watch over, over there for the Open Championship and it's, you know, I, I hear it from my, my grandpa used to say it all the time that the course looked terrible and I'm sitting here just loving it. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. And so to answer your question, yeah, there is a change over here for sure. Um, you know, some people like like the idea of like brown is new green and things like that, but it all depends course to course. Um, and I will say some guys on social media are really kind of pushing uh, the old school architecture and letting the, letting the drought like let mother nature do its thing and people are really starting to fall in love with that kind of golf course i think yeah it's uh you know you talk about sand i heard mike kaiser interview and i I won't have the number right but of the top 100 courses in america i think 70 plus of them are built on sand Mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's amazing yeah and we're, we're so lucky, you know, Pine Beach Peninsula, uh, you know, the Madden golf courses, that they have a great sand base. So, yeah, we're, uh, it's, it's, we're kind of in. It's the, phenomenal right here. So, 
Well, Tanner, that's that's great stuff. We uh, uh, we really appreciate coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and uh, welcoming you to the community. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, I hope uh, maybe maybe at some point we do it again. And Chris, for sure, I'll see you around because uh, where you're at. Absolutely, so. absolutely. We'll get get everybody out and play. Uh, Madden's, the classic at Madden's, the Pine Beach East, Pine Beach West, the Social Nine. A lot of great options in this Brainerd area. Yes, there are. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks a million, Tanner. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. appreciate you guys having me. Tanner Schoenfelder, the new superintendent at the Madden's Golf Courses. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and also find us at Podcast One and on Facebook as well. Brought you in part by Craigan's Legacy Courses, including the new Tom Lehman 18-hole layout. Chris, with all the talk of the uh, Live Golf merger with the PGA, uh, we kind of left out uh, the tournaments that have been happening. Come Really fun. Uh, the Jacks tournament, I was watching some on Sunday, and I think the average score was 75 at the Memorial for Sunday. Uh, that was something else. Uh, that's got to be. Have you ever played that track? I've not played there. I've been to the tournament. It's a, you know, it's one of the better venues on tour, and it it, it can play very hard. Uh, as was, you know, you, you you don't have too many times when the scoring average is close to seventy five on a Sunday, and in a non major event, especially. So, right. Uh, it, it it it's a it's a it's a fair test of golf, but it's a very hard test of golf. Felt bad for McCarthy. It looked like he, uh, with all those stars all around him, he held his own the whole day uh, until the 72nd hole, which is the story in an awful lot of famous golf stories. But he bogeyed 71st hole, 72nd hole. Then all of a sudden there's the always calm Norwegian, uh, Victor Hovland, ready to uh, grab the title in in a playoff. Yeah, yeah, you, you you had to feel for Danny McCarthy, but great win for Victor Hovland. I mean, gosh, he's we we talked about him last week. He's, he's been trending in the you know in that direction for all spring, and uh, had another great week. Had a, a great week on the putting green, and uh, and you know again, Scotty Scheffler had another great week. If uh, if he would have putted at all, would have would have run away from the tournament. So. Um, if, if Scheffler can get the, the flat stick working for, for the U.S. Open in two weeks, uh, we need to watch out. Yeah, he's been right there every single week. He just doesn't go away. So some of the guys did kind of struggle some. Uh, Rory, I don't know, amid everything that's been going on, he's been not as good on Sundays this year, really, as he uh, has kind of traditionally been. And that happened again at Jack's tournament. He just didn't quite have it on Sunday. Yeah. Well, play, played pretty decent on Sunday. It was, it was Saturday's round was what kind of got him. But, but you're right. He start, He he made a double early in the round. Uh, you know, he made a double and a bogey on the front nine, but then played pretty good on the back nine to kind of get himself back in, in contention and just didn't finish finish wrong, strong, I should say. Yeah, and Chef went out and posted an early score and sat there for like three hours. He, he pretty much had to stay at the course, I'm sure, because he was so oh, far yeah. out in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> finished. Uh, guess he, he finished before the leaders were were even on the back nine. Now, one of your favorite events, I know, has been the uh, the college team play over the years, and well, you've been 
quite busy this spring. Probably haven't got to see it as much. But Rose Zhang uh, from Stanford gets on the LPGA Tour. There was talk that she has enough game to win right away, and uh, she certainly did. She won her first time out, which is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, she, you know, you can never say a player is going to be a, a have success as a as a you know a professional. And if you look at a, a player like Lydia Ko, for instance, who was such a, a rock star as a junior and and broke onto the the PGA Tour at at 16 years old and won you know 20 times before she was 22 years old. Yeah. Uh, and then, then hasn't done, you know, hasn't done much since then. But Rose Zhang is an incredible player, the best women, woman, amateur ever. I mean, she, you know, in the last, in the last three months, she's won the NCAA's, which she defended. She won the Augusta National Women's Amateur, which is has become the biggest women's amateur event. And then, uh, so yes, yeah, so she won the the women's amateur. She won the Augusta National Women's Amateur, won the NCAA's, and now her first week on the Pro, pro Tour went, <laughs> won her first event in the playoffs. So, uh, pretty phenomenal. And just what kind of almost uh, has the has the feel of that once in a generation. She's so comfortable in her own skin. She's uh, very natural out there and easy with the press and easy with herself. It seems like and. And uh, like so many swings on the LPGA, just uh, swings a golf club like all of us could only dream of. <laughs> yeah, she swings it beautifully, and she she's going to be great for women's golf because she does have such a great personality. Uh, she's great with people. She's great with the press, and uh, she, she's great for the game of golf. Got the megawatt sw- uh, smile too, which uh, never hurts anything. No, not at all. Comfortable with the press. So, yeah, that's going to be good for golf. Uh, any, Of course, any star in any sport is uh, is great for the game. And Rose Zhang looks like the real thing on the LPGA Tour, so that's good. Yeah. I got out and played. Yeah, my my, son, my two- son came to town on Sunday, and we went and played uh, Chuck's course at the Gravel Pit. Had a good time. That's, uh, nice. That's a tough little track, really. <laughs> it is it is a hard it, it's uh don't let the par three or the length uh fool you it's a it's a great test of golf and a lot of fun yeah really fun and one, one mentioned you know uh two, two things the, the two best stories of the week yeah uh you know before getting shocked yesterday were rosang winning which was fantastic and not necessarily victor hovland winning although i love that but Monday, the longest day in golf, the qualify for the qualifying for the or the sectional qualify for the U.S. Open. Right. Victor Ho- Victor Hovland caddies for his old college roommate uh, in sectional qualifying. So walks thirty six holes caddying for his his roommate that he promised to after he wins wins the event. <laughs> so yeah, he, I, I liked Hovland before. Now now he's really one of the good guys in golf. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. I see that uh, there's always great names, too. I was listening uh, to the Golf Channel yesterday because of all the news, and they had Stuart Sink on, and he uh, had was wishing he was in Canada for the meeting with the players, but uh, he had qualified for the U.S. Open, 36 holes, and uh, Stuart Sink qualified. So he's a former major champion and one of the real good guys in golf. So he's in the U.S. Open again. That was kind of fun to see. 
Yeah, there, there's some great stories, and uh, you know, tw- twelve amateurs, amateurs qualified, so it's that's a that's a good number for for the U.S. Open, and uh, I, I can't wait till next week. It's gonna it's gonna be it's a the U.S. Open is always great. This year, it's, a, it's at an incredible venue in LA Country Club, and um, it's going to be fun leading up. I just hope hope the whole uh, Live PGA Tour doesn't uh, overshadow the event. Yeah, you've always liked that patch of ground where the LA Country Club is, and uh, several other golf courses that you really like. Oh gosh, it's 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 one of the one of the you know the the real estate. You're right in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. And, Within three miles of each other, you got LA Country Club with two golf courses. You've got Riviera uh, a couple miles away. You've got Bel Air Country Club about a mile away, and uh, uh, Lakeside Country Club. And it's just, uh, just, it's a fantastic spot with great go- classic golf course architecture. Chris, you're starting up with the uh, juniors program right away now. Is uh, can youngsters still get in or no? You know, we're we're we've started this week, so we're we're kind of into the swing of things. But you know, if if kids uh, if kids still want to play, we'll we'll find a place for them or or put something together for a group of kids. If they're uh, you know if they have a few kids, we'll uh, put something together for them. So we want Bet. those kids out there and loving golf. Yeah, exactly right. Best way through ChrisFoleyGolf.com. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, Chris. Have a great day, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mac. That's Chris Foley. I'm Colin McDonald. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on The Fan.